electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi there, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, a Fed episode, Becky's full sit-down interview with Treasury Secretary and former Fed Chair Janet Yellen. Maintaining full employment while bringing inflation down, that's the president's priority. And I believe that's consistent with how the Fed sees its program. How we got here with rising costs at every turn, with Allianz and Gramercy advisor, famed economist, Mohamed Alarian. The Fed is very late. The Fed should have started moving a year ago. They didn't. And that puts the administration in a corner. President Biden's efforts to fix it, to avoid recession and to ease America's frustration. I think it's a lot of messaging right now. The administration is nervous. They've got to get out in front of this. They've got to say to the American people for working on this. It's June 1st, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, kill three. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Brian Sullivan. Joe and Andrew are out today. Yesterday closed out the month of May and what a month it was. Let's take a look at how things ended. Yeah, you would have never guessed all the swings we saw, the crazy wild swings through the course of the month. The Dow was up, but just barely. It was up by, yeah, four one hundredths of a percentage point. The S&P was up by even less. It was up by 0.22 points, which you got to carry that all the way out to the thousands to see the budge that that made. But, you know, look, for the Nasdaq down 2%, you have to remember the wild swings we went through. The S&P at its worst levels was down by seven and three quarters percent. It was up by four and a quarter percent at its best. So you're talking about a swing of more than 12 percentage points all to end Basically unchanged. Well, completely unchanged, actually. Less than a point difference. Yeah, if you were on an island with a volleyball as your only friend for a month, and you, yeah, and, you, and you got just, you know, found, and you come back and say, well, the Dow is only up 0.4. That does not tell the story. There have been 19, 19 1% moves this quarter in the S&P 500, and Nick Colas of Datatrick, this is actually going to be my RBI today. If, if you were doing wax. If things moved around, was that... They say you need, he said, you need 33 1% moves within a quarter historically to be at a washout. We had 32 in the first quarter. We have 19 as of now. So June, we'd have to have a lot of big moves in June to sort of meet that 33 threshold. I would threshold. not take anything off of the table at this point. Yeah, especially with the Fed and volatility, hawkish. energy prices, with continuing to see what happens with inflation. You know what we have seen a lot of volatility with and what that continues with is crude oil prices. Over the mm. last month, you watched WTI up by more than 9.5%. You're now talking about six months in a row that WTI has climbed, and that's the longest winning streak we've seen until you go all the way back to April of 2011 when they had eight months in a row when WTI rose. 
President Biden's plate is pretty full these days. Oil prices, inflation, and a possible strike at some of America's biggest ports. About 22,000 West Coast dock worker contracts expire this summer. These workers have been critical to America's logistics network throughout the pandemic supply chain issues. LA and Long Beach ports handle over 40% of US imports from East Asia. Now, contract negotiations began a few weeks ago, but if they fail, if there's a strike, that'd be really bad news for Biden and for our country's supply chain and already hiked consumer costs. Speaking of consumer costs, as you might have heard on yesterday's podcast, President Biden took to the Wall Street Journal op-ed section to lay out his plan to combat inflation. And on Tuesday, he sat down with Fed Chair Jay Powell and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen at the White House to hash out some solutions. You'll hear more about the specifics of that meeting from Janet Yellen herself in just a few minutes, but the main headline, while the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve both aim to curb rising prices without sending our economy into recession, Biden will respect the independence of the Fed and Powell should work as he sees fit. I think it's it's a lot of messaging right now. The administration is nervous. They've got to get out in front of this. They've got to say to the American people through CNBC and others, we're acknowledging this, we're working on this. I think that the administration, I don't believe and none of my sources believe there will be a port strike, but if there is, it's, it's 40% of U.S. imports. It's going to make parts of the supply chain shutdowns we've seen in the last two years look like a pimple. Compared to what's coming. Look, the other idea is, I don't think there, there's a lot the administration can do. Biden laid out all these, these ideas that he has to fight inflation. None of them are things that will work in the short term, even the medium term. I think they have to say that they are focused on this, but I, I think they also realize that a lot of this is outside their control. Now, there are things they could do on the energy front. We do get into that a little later in the interview. But when it comes to fixing supply chains, those are long-term problems, things they can't do. They can leave it to the Fed and hope that yeah. they're going to bring things down. But any spending that they come up with would be inflationary. So any spending packages or proposals that come through are going to add to the add fuel to the fire. Yeah, I mean, new, listen, new spending, I think, is if you read a lot of the Wall Street research, new spending is DOA. Build Back Better is, is probably maybe... They never mentioned that. It may be chopped up and, and sort of sold off in parts. They uh, never mentioned that yesterday, and I think that's yeah. significant, too. Probably a tacit admission that they can't spend their way out of this. Well, I think also the president's op-ed yesterday was, was, was comforting in a way where he, he said the war in Ukraine has exacerbated, that's his term, the inflation issue, versus them coming out and saying this is Putin inflation, which is just, you know, it's not accurate. And so if you're in, a, you know, you're watching TV going, well, that, we had high prices a year earlier. Yeah, they went up from high, but they were already high. Well, Inflation, by the way, let's be fair, it's not a U.S. phenomenon. No. The Eurozone, 8.1% energy prices, they've moderated a bit in the U.K. We were reporting on this back in November. Out of control, food prices are high and going higher. If you're an economy that's stimulated because of COVID, you didn't you're realize... You're the after effects. you the after effects because, because the economy in many ways didn't shut down to the level they thought it would. If you were in D.C., you're like, oh, everything's shut down. Then you go to Houston... And they're three deep in a bar watching basketball. And people's bank accounts are flush. They had a lot of money that came in through a lot of those payments. Um, we will continue to talk about this. We will see what happens with it. But probably the most important thing they said yesterday, the president said yesterday, is that he will allow the Fed to do its job without getting involved. Um, well, the, the president yesterday, 
I think it was in the op-ed saying that he supports the Fed. Okay, think about the language very clearly. I support the Fed. You're a baseball manager. Your pitcher goes out and has three games where they get nine runs against then them. Then you yank them. They're yanked in the third inning. No, but then they're like, well, do, do you support uh, your... Oh, I support him. Why are you saying you support the Fed? Are they at risk? Is... Are, is, is there I, the some... point they made yesterday is that other administrations have meddled with the Fed. President Trump, when he was unhappy with what Jay Powell was doing, summoned was him very, to dinner. Was very upfront about it. Talked to, tweeted out things about how he was unhappy about it. So I think they're making the distinction with that. Um, but you're right. Let's see if they are still saying this when the Fed's actions start to really eat into the economy. Yeah, I mean, again, with the sports analogy, you're a, you're a star batter. Your team has lost 10 in a row, and you're up there giving an interview to ESPN or NBC Sports, and you're like, yeah, I support our pitching staff. I, I did think it If was, they did their job better, I, you know, maybe we could win, but I support them. I did think it was interesting. President Biden, right after this meeting, when he was making the comments for the cameras, said, you know, he pointed back to the Fed's dual mandate. He said, first of all, full employment. Second of all, stable prices. If you ever talk to Alan Greenspan, he will tell you the first mandate, the only mandate that really matters is stable prices, not full employment. He said if you take care of stable prices, the rest will take care of itself. Well, so. we have 1.5 million fewer workers than we did in July of 2019. There's 11.6 million open jobs. We can dither about whether or not those numbers are accurate, but if we're at full employment, we're not gonna grow. The economy will not grow except through productivity gains and technology. How can we be at full employment? Or if you change some of your immigration policies, well, that's more people in too. Yes, that that probably should be something on the table. Absolutely. Next on Squawk Pod, more on the drama at West Coast Ports with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. We certainly hope an agreement will be reached that will keep the ports open. This is really critically important to making sure our supply chains don't become more problematic. How dock workers fit into America's inflation picture and so much more in our conversation with the former Fed chair right after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod Today with Becky Quick and Brian Sullivan. Here's Becky with a very special guest, Treasury Secretary and former Fed Chair Janet Yellen. Madam Secretary, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's great to see you. Um, today, you were meeting with the president and the Fed chair, Jay Powell. This was a pretty important meeting, the first one since he has been renominated, I believe. Uh, what, what happened in that conversation? What, what took place? 
Well, the president congratulated the Fed chair on his, um, on his confirmation, um, emphasized that uh, the pres president emphasized that he regards inflation as the major economic problem now facing the country and emphasized to Chair Powell that he is strongly supportive of the Fed's independence and intends to fully respect it. Um, we talked a good deal about the economic outlook, what's happening in the economy. The president shared his view that I certainly share that we have enjoyed a robust and historic economic recovery, 8.3 million jobs having been created since he took office. Um, the economy is essentially back at full employment with about the lowest unemployment rate in, in post-war history, um, households in good financial shape, the labor market performing, um, a, very, very well, very, very strong labor market. And we should be in, and he believes we are in, a period of transition now to steady and stable growth that we should be seeing numbers um, for job creation and economic growth that are lower than those over the last year or so when the economy was recovering and um, that this will be consistent um, maintaining, now maintaining the gains that we achieved, uh, maintaining a strong labor market will be consistent with bringing inflation down. Mm -hmm. And the president emphasized his intention to do everything he can to lower the costs that Americans face for um, important items in their budget. Uh, for example, for prescription drugs, for utility bills, um, things where uh, the president acting on his own or working with Congress can make a difference. And also his support for deficit reduction. I heard the president speaking uh, not long after that and laying out that he is supporting the dual mandate for the Fed. He listed first, number one, full employment, and number two, stable prices. I always thought the stable prices was the first mandate and the most important. Alan Greenspan used to say, if you take care of that, everything else follows. Was that intentionally kind of laying out that those two items come with, the, with full employment first? Well, listen, the Fed has a dual mandate, and it is maximum employment and price stability. I think that's the way it's phrased in the law. But we are at full employment. We have a very strong labor market that's been achieved, but inflation is way too high, and it's really a big burden on American households. And so... Um, maintaining full employment while bringing inflation down. That's the president's priority. And I believe that's consistent with how the Fed sees um, it, its, its program, that we've got a good, strong labor market, but we absolutely need to bring inflation down. So I, I think the president's priorities um, align very well with those that Fed Chair Powell and others have expressed for the Fed. Defending the Fed's independence is obviously very important, and that will go a long way towards fighting inflation. But a lot of the other ideas that the president laid out today are things that won't take place in the near term or even the medium term. You're talking about much longer investments, things that will take a long time to pay off. Is that almost a, a tacit admit, admission 
that this is not going to be a problem that the administration, at least, can correct very quickly, especially with spending programs that would probably be more inflationary? Well, look, I, you know, we, we're still considering um, a reconciliation package. Um, it could very well have um, reductions in the cost of prescription drugs. That would make a difference to um, every family that uh, has drug costs is um, part of its household budget, and that could make a difference uh, very quickly. Um, the president is... Um, authorized historic releases from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to try to hold down prices and offset some of the upward pressure that um, we've seen from Russia's war on Ukraine. So there are things that can be done, and the president is supportive of a deficit reduction. We're actually seeing a huge reduction in the deficit the deficit as a share of GDP um, is projected to fall below the level in 2019 before the pandemic. And his budget um, proposes um, revenue raisers that I think would lead to a fairer tax system, um, not burden households, any household making under $400,000 and um, enable us to achieve deficit reduction that would also help to bring inflation down. When it comes to energy prices, those are obviously a huge issue for Americans right now, the price at the pump and the SPR releases maybe do something temporarily. Um, but the relief that they've provided in oil prices it seems to have been pretty fleeting. Um, is there any consideration being done in terms of trying to reverse things from Keystone Pipeline or promote more drilling in certain areas or even just trying to offer incentives to get companies to spend more money, more capital expenditure, oil companies, on trying to take more out of the ground quickly? You know, the oil companies are sitting on lots of leases that um, they have not drilled. And the prices that um, prevail right now in oil markets provide ample incentive uh, for firms to boost production. Uh, the strategic petroleum releases are very substantial, and I see is filling in um, in the, the market while waiting for um, oil producers to ramp up production. Uh, the Keystone Pipeline would take years to come online and really is about moving oil rather than producing more oil. And remember, um, Oil prices are set in global in global markets, not based on domestic production. True. Um, looking around, just in terms of deficit spending and trying to bring that down, there there have been these trial balloons floated about student debt forgiveness, and the the things that we've heard, the details that we've heard on this plan, at least at this point, suggest that it would be ten thousand dollars forgiven for anybody making up to $300,000 filing jointly. It seems like that's a pretty regressive situation. A lot of money uh, north of $312 billion it would cost to do this, and that would be a lot of money going to people who aren't necessarily at the lowest end of the spectrums, people who haven't even gone to college. What are your thoughts about trying to direct funds at this point and trying to make sure we're being the smartest about helping the people who need it the most? So this is a matter that no decisions have been made on um, there are discussions taking place, and, of course, the impact on the economy and equity are part of those discussions. And finally, Chair Yellen, I'm sorry, Secretary Yellen, just in terms of 
what's been happening with the supply chain. A lot of these issues, again, are out of our control or things that will take a very long time to fix. But there is the idea that the longshoremen uh, in California and the ports there could go on strike at the end of this month. That seems like it would be something that would be a huge additional snarl to what we've already seen with the supply chain issues. Is the administration monitoring this? Have they been involved at all in any of the talks to try and make sure that that does not happen? Well, it's something that we're monitoring and recognize is critical, and we certainly hope an agreement um, will be reached that will keep the ports open and operating. I agree that this is really critically uh, important to making sure our supply chains um, don't, don't become um, more problematic than they are just right now. Madam Secretary, I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, unpacking the interview you just heard, assigning accountability for inflation and charting the Fed's path forward with economist Mohamed Alarian. What then went wrong is that the Fed didn't recognize that the drivers of inflation were widening, didn't recognize that it wasn't transitory, and therefore did not move early enough. Te presentamos a la familia Rubio. Ellos hacen todo en familia. Rompecabezas, viajes a Walmart, ejercicios, cocinamos, todo. Y cuando supieron que la farmacia de Walmart tiene vacunas para todas las edades, desde HPV hasta neumonía, pues nos fuimos en familia a vacunarnos. Y de una vez hicimos nuestras compras. Like, obvio, Abu. <risas> Protege a tu familia con vacunas para todos. Haz una cita hoy con los farmacéuticos expertos de Walmart Pharmacy. Bienvenido a una farmacia más simple. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Sujetas a disponibilidad y ley estatal aplicable. Se aplican restricciones según la edad. Pregúntale a tu farmacéutico por detalles. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back to Squawk Pod, where we're feeling out the Fed's plan for inflation with Becky and Brian. Brian kicks off our next interview. Worries over inflation and the Federal Reserve's next moves, the state of the economy, recession, no recession, have investors on edge. We know that because the NASDAQ is down 24% this year. Helping us now to navigate all of this is Mohamed El Arian, Allianz Chief Economic Advisor and Queens College Cambridge President. It sounded to me like they're kind of throwing Powell under the bus or starting to in their own weird political way. I don't know if you heard that dialogue a few minutes ago. What do you think? So I'm not sure they're throwing Powell under the bus, but they are saying two things that the Fed should listen to. One is acknowledge that you made a huge mistake. That's what Secretary Yellen did, and we should welcome that. It's a really important step forward. And then two, try to regain control of the narrative. That's what President Biden tried to do with his Wall Street Journal op-ed. To this day, Brian, and this is important because the Fed needs to regain credibility on inflation, to this day, and unlike the ECB, the Fed hasn't come out with an analysis of why it got inflation forecasts wrong for so long. And to this day, they haven't told us how they've improved their forecasting capabilities. And until they do that, they're going to remain under tremendous pressure. Mohammed, I, I think 
what the administration said yesterday, look, a lot of ideas saying Fed independence, that could be an important step if you really do get out of the Fed's way and let them deal with things. Uh, that could be different than what we've seen some, from some administrations in the past. But all the other things that they talked about, all these other potential solutions for inflation, um, either seem unlikely to help or not likely to help in the short term or the medium term. Is that just an admission that the administration's not gonna be able to do much and they definitely can't spend their way out of this because that is more fuel to the fire. That's their reality, Becky. Um, and that came out in your interview. Look, they sh should and are looking at things to improve the supply side, but it will take quite a while. It is about the Fed. Um, they are now held hostage because the Fed is very late. The Fed should have started moving a year ago, as we've discussed repeatedly for the last nine to 12 months, they didn't. And that puts the administration in a corner. So they've got to hope that the Fed moves. And, you know, they have been respecting the independence of the Fed. They haven't got in the way of the Fed. It's just that the way ha the Fed hasn't gotten going early enough. And I don't want to beat a <clears throat> Fed horse on this topic, but the idea being you're going in the, the, the stakes of the election in November are massive. And you've got Yellen saying to Becky, well, they made a mistake. You've got comments like we support the Fed when, by the way, nobody was asking if you supported the Fed because it's already assumed you support the Fed. But if you're basically saying they made a mistake, they're the reason that your prices are so high. I don't see how there, it just seems impossible, Mohammed, that there's not some kind of fallout from that. So Brian, I think most economists acknowledge that the Fed has been very late and that the finger of blame should be pointed at the Fed. Try to convince the American people of that, that's very different. Um, the Fed is still a mysterious institution. It's hard to convey to the public what the Fed does, let alone how the Fed has fallen behind on inflation. So the administration is in a very tough position because they will get blamed for the high inflation. I don't think it's just our Fed, to be fair. I mean, you look at you look at what's happened in Europe, where you are in the UK, Mohammed. I mean, we had stimulus. We had supply chain issues. There's a lot of inflation is global and there are a lot of reasons for it. It's not just the Federal Reserve or the ECB or the Bank of England, whatever. I, I think you would agree with that. It was sort of just overstimulating and under-realizing where the economy would go. But by the way, it's been 100 years since we had a pandemic of this severity, so you can forgive people for maybe not making the right monetary policy calls. I guess the question is now, what's the right monetary policy call going forward? I mean, are, like Waller said, are half-point rate hikes for the next few meetings, is that gonna work? I mean, are a couple buckets of water gonna put out the house fire? So first, you're absolutely right, the initial fuel for this inflation had nothing to do with the Fed, nothing to do with the administration. It was truly exogenous. What then went wrong is that the Fed didn't recognize that the drivers of inflation were widening, didn't recognize that it wasn't transitory, and therefore did not move early enough. Brian, I'll give you one data point. In the week in March that we printed a 7.5% inflation rate, the Fed was still injecting liquidity into this economy. That's how late they have been. So they weren't responsible for the initial cause, but they are responsible for not containing the inflationary pressures. As to what to do now, look, I'm very puzzled by this notion that they should pause in September. 
Because if they pause in September, it means that this economy is much more fragile than what we think it is. And this economy is still pretty strong, especially in the labor market. So the Fed should be giving a signal beyond the next two meetings that it intends to continue hiking until inflationary expectations are well contained. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about this problem next year and the consequences, not just for the markets, but for the real economy and the most vulnerable segment of our society are going to be even more consequential. Mohammed, what's your base case scenario at this point? So my base case is that they will do 250s, 250 rate hikes. And I really worry that they will start showing less conviction about following through on it. It's this notion of you go, you stop, you go. Um, and that would be really problematic because it won't solve the inflation problem. It won't reduce the risk of, of stagflation. So my hope is that they give clarity that after the 250 basis point rate hikes, they're going to continue hiking. But the only question is by how much? Well, what's the answer? 50 and 50 so and I, that's it? 25? So I think, I think you have to have a baseline of 50-50. And you will perhaps go back to 25 if you're comfortable with what you're seeing. Otherwise, you're open to continuing with 50. We've got to get this under control quickly. Otherwise, it's going to undermine a lot of things next year, economic, socially, and institutional, let alone the political consequences that you talked about, Ryan. And there are, there are political consequences, we'll see, especially if, if things change in November. Those can be big ones. Mohammed Alarian, thank you very much. Thank you. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Ross has all the spring deals you want, so you can say yes to more looks for you and your budget. Tube tops for less? Yes. Dad shorts for the weekend? Yes. Mini skirts for less than online? That's a yes for you and your bank account. Find your certified yes for me moment and save 20 to 60% off department store prices every day at Ross. Hurry in for spring deals today. Items and styles vary by store.